Welcome to Flick 66. We're listening to the snip uh, to a snippet of No Time to Die, the new Bond theme song for the 25th Bond film, uh, just released by Billie Eilish uh, late last week. Um, I'm Dr. Thomas Parm, Executive Director of Screenwriting here at Azusa Pacific University. With me is... Aaron Linneman, uh, student reviewer extraordinaire. And Ryan Isay, our adjunct professor of screen studies, is on assignment for a special podcast that we'll be dropping in a couple weeks. Um, so, box office report. Uh, the good news is Sonic the Hedgehog raced to a $70 million opening for the four-day President's Day weekend, which is a new record for a video game-based movies. Um, did you see it? Not yet. I, I saw it opening day. I enjoyed it. I used to love Sonic, the classic Sonic game on yeah. the Sega Genesis. It's interesting. This movie is about 20 plus years too late. Um, yeah. But obviously there are a lot of Sonic fans out there because it made a lot of money. And uh, Birds of Prey in its second weekend dropped from $33 million for opening. Very disappointing. We're going to talk about that as one of our feature stories down to $17 million. So uh, we're going to talk about what possibly went wrong. Um, news. ABC has renewed The Good Doctor for season four. Amazon has renewed Bosch for its seventh and final season. Apple TV Plus has cast Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live to star in a musical comedy from the Despicable Me writers. O'Shea Jackson, a.k.a. Ice Cube Jr., from uh, Straight Outta Compton, is taking over the lead role in the basketball drama Swagger after the original actor was uh, injured. CBS is developing a CSI revival series. It's like, <laughs> I thought we were done with that. Whatever. And we're still in the middle of, we still got uh, three NCISs. Uh, Disney Plus announced a couple weekends ago, or a couple weeks ago, they were expected to announce 25 million subscribers. Instead, they announced 26.5 million subscribers. That's a lot of jack. I mean, when you do the math, that's like over a billion dollars. And most of that content's already paid for. <laughs> yeah, I heard that um, this could be... I just heard that um, that part of the reason they've been doing these live-action remakes was to help kind of finance Disney Plus a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't need to because they've, yeah. they've already got a... They got more money for three up, years. Yeah. Uh, Loki has added Gugu Mabatha Raw to the cast. Uh, the Mighty Ducks, speaking of which, uh, Emilio Estevez has negotiated to return as his character Gordon Bombay from the movie series, and Lauren Graham is going to play the Ducks' new coach. And now that they've locked in uh, Estevez and Graham, uh, I wonder if they're going to do a little romantic thing with the two of them. Could be. Uh, Turner and Hooch, <laughs> another another reboot of a, uh, of a film, is going to star Josh Peck taking over the Tom Hanks role, and Matt Nix, who uh, created Burn Notice and executive produced The Gifted, is going to executive produce Turner and Hooch. So it's in good hands. He's a good writer. Uh, HBO, Lord knows why, has renewed Avenue 5 for season two. Have you seen this? No. It's bad. 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 I watched the pilot. It was not a pleasurable watch. I started watching episode two, and then like I realized life's too short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Media Rights Capital, which is a production group, um, has cat or Chris Pratt and Antoine Fuqua are teaming up for a thriller series called Terminal List. Uh, no outlet is announced yet, but HBO releases a lot of their stuff. Uh, Netflix. Uh, 
uh, Kevin Spacey thing that was uh, oh uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. That was a media yeah. rights capital. So they've they've got enough cachet that they can get it to the right the right outlet. NBC has renewed Superstore for season six. Netflix has canceled Insatiable after season two. They picked up Sex Education for season three, and they're negotiating for more Lucifer after season five. Uh, they ordered a 16 episode season five. They're going to split it into two parts, eight episodes uh, a piece, but they want more. So <laughs> I guess the devil made them do it. Showtime has canceled Ray Donovan after season seven. Uh, although Leah Schreiber is convinced that we're not done yet with the show, but you know, he doesn't own it. <laughs> um, they also ordered first ladies to series and that stars Viola Davis as Michelle Obama. And then finally, Taika Watiti and Jude Law are teaming up for a limited series called The Auteur. The premise is it's about a film director who's a bit quirky. I wonder where they got that idea from. <laughs> He's getting a little stretched thin there, I feel like. Yeah, well, after that Oscar win last week. Yeah. Uh, film news. Amazon Studios has boarded Map of Tiny Perfect Things from Akiva Goldsman and Film Nation. Disney is developing a sequel to Aladdin, which was a big hit for them. I love the new Aladdin remake. Still haven't seen it. It's uh, one of my favorite Guy Ritchie movies. It's on my Disney Plus queue. It should be on your Disney Plus queue. Uh, I thought that they fixed things that were wrong with the cartoon, mainly some of the ethnic stereotypes. And they also, uh, oh, I can't think of her name. Uh, The actor who plays uh, Jasmine, Naomi Scott, I think? Yeah. Who reminds me of an ethnic Sarah Michelle Geller, which is a good thing because I love Miss Sarah Michelle Geller, but I thought that she was terrific. Uh, they've also hired Jennifer Caton Robinson, who wrote and directed Netflix's Some- "Someone Great" to co-write Thor: Love and Thunder, aka Thor Four. And the coolest news! I'll let Aaron announce this. Uh, Netflix takes global streaming. Oh, no, 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 no! Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. I, I. Uh... I will, uh, my rundown's a little different here. Uh, Disney has announced that Rick Moranis has signed to reprise his role as Rain Schlonsky. Zelensky. Zelensky for Shrunk, starring Josh Gad. So the- uh, sorry, I was very confused about the Netflixing being huge news. But, uh- <laughs> yeah, I, I, changed my, I changed my rundown on the computer after, uh, after, after Aaron reminded me that I... I- I omitted a very pe- a very important piece of news. For those of you who don't know, Rick Moranis' wife became very sick yes. and eventually succumbed to her illness. So he left showbiz to raise his kids. But now that his kids are grown, and uh, he's decided to dip his toe back in the water, and, and the timing's perfect because Disney had previously announced that they were going to reboot the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise with Shrunk starring Josh Gad, and Moranis is signed to play... Josh he, Josh Gad is going to play the grown son of Rick Moranis. Yeah, and um, this just like couldn't have happened like right away. They had to be in talks for a while. So I'm wondering if he's kind of been kind of on the low back into something and maybe has a cameo in Ghostbusters. Oh, you mean Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Hmm. And I just was listening to other stuff today and people are like, interesting they gotta they gotta start doing if he's coming back for more than just one thing they gotta get started on space balls too is what they're saying (laughs) you know mel brooks is in his 90s i think but i saw mel brooks as uh i saw mel brooks at a screening of um dolomite my name is dolomite oh yeah last fall 
the dude's in his 90s, but he's sharp as attack, lively. You would not know. He could easily pass for his late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and just, you know, a lot of fun. And he, he ended up basically doing a short set before introducing the Dolomite Really? really? That's but, awesome. yeah, but that's really cool news for Rick Moranis. Um, Netflix has taken the global streaming rights to the life ahead. Sophia Loren's first film in a decade. Um, I just played you a little of the Bond theme song for No Time to Die, uh, written by and sung by Bill, Billie Eilish. Warner Brothers, over at Warner's, Matt Reeves posted a camera test of Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson, aka R. Pats, as the Batman. And if you, yeah, if you squint hard enough, you can see the Batman in the camera <laughs> test. Well, it, it, it it's got this weird red tinge to it. Yeah. It's like, it's it's very hard to tell until like the last second. You almost have to pause it. But I think I like the uh, I like the gun bat lo- the gun from that killed his parents being the bat. Uh, oh, I didn't realize crest. that that was. I didn't realize that that was kind of the thing. Um, it's um, some of on some of my nerd nerdy fanboy sites. Everybody's got an opinion about the new bat suit. It's like I love it. I hate it. It's like, and most people are like. I'll wait to see it. It would be helpful if everything wasn't so red. For yeah, starters. And you could see it. Yeah, so you could actually see what it's going to look like. But you know, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give Matt Reeves the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's earned a lot of street cred and goodwill for me for his work on uh, the Planet of the Apes uh, prequel trilogy. I guess you would call them. Yeah. Um, Rufus Sewell and Maggie Gyllenhaal have signed to play Elvis Presley's parents in Boz Lerman's upcoming biopic. That could be really cool. Yeah. Boz Lerman doing Elvis. Hmm. And then Zoe Saldana is starring in the sports drama Fencer with Casey Affleck producing and Jasmine McGlade directing from her own script. Let's get on to the feature stories. First, uh, the Oscars were uh, two Sundays ago, technically last week. But... Um, Surprises and snubs. Uh, Ryan couldn't join us today, but he probably wasn't too upset that Parasite won Best I Picture. Would, yeah. Because he liked it. I didn't hate Parasite. I just didn't love Parasite. It was in my top three. I was really happy. And I was just shocked. That was my that was my surprise. I honestly thought it would go to 1917 see, I, or see, another I, film. I didn't think it was... already won foreign I did. I didn't think it was going to go to 1917. They're just... There are enough people who don't dig 1917, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you yeah, did not yeah. dig 1917. No, my choice was Once Upon a Time. I was that was the other one I thought had a possibility of winning. I actually did, based on our uh, based on our discussion from two podcasts ago, because we had the special with Ricky Stav last week. Download it if you can, if you want to. Um, but I actually applied the uh, the weighted voting uh, or the rank. I, I forget what they call it. But the way that the way that um, the Academy choose the way the best picture is chosen is you have to rank all the best pictures I did not from know one that. to nine, and basically the one with the fewest number one votes gets thrown out, and they just keep going until they arrive at the winner. I I just found that out last week. I did not know that. Was... So I applied that formula to our predictions to our predictions from two podcasts ago. And if the three of us were the entire Academy, we would have chosen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think because I was Ryan and I's first Because choice. it was up there for you and Ryan, and it was yeah. up there for 
up there for me too. Um, I have the I have the post-it right here, but um, let's see. Let's see what would have come second. See, the thing that hurt in 1917 is you ranked it really low. I, I did. I did. <laughs> you ranked it really low. <laughs> but, the, but the first thing that would have been thrown out was Ford versus Ferrari because... And Joker. Uh, well, the first... Yeah. Ford versus Ferrari and Joker would have been thrown out because those were the lowest ranked for the three of us. So I think that... Uh, let's see. JoJo. See, Ryan had JoJo down. What's... Uh, That's Marriage Story. Marriage Story. I think Parasite might have been the. I had Parasite. I'd have to. I'd have to do the math to figure it out. But and then plus there's just three of us. But it's interesting with when you use that weighted ballot system, you know it really, it forces you to pay attention to what the movies are. And if if enough people aren't fans of something, it can get tossed out. I think Parasite won for every category it was in. Not, not for every category. There were a couple of things it didn't win, wasn't it? I'm not won, sure. It only won four. It won it best won, screenplay. It won best original screenplay, yeah. which that didn't surprise me because it won the Writers Guild Award yeah. the weekend before. It won best original screenplay. It won best, uh, ew, best uh, foreign language feature or international film. They keep changing the category. Name. International, yeah. Um, uh, best director. Best director, and then best picture. Yeah. I think it was nominated for more than that, wasn't it? Um, it might have been nominated for some technical stuff. Maybe. But, um, uh, you know, I like the movie. I don't love the movie. That's. I, I, I thought it was, um, I really enjoyed it. I It's probably one of the more movies I think about. I need to have a second watch. Uh, I think it was my number three. Um, definitely, I can't remember where I put it. It was it, definitely. It was my, your number four. My number four. Yeah, it was my uh, number six and Ryan's number three. It's definitely in my top ten films for the year. I can't remember where it was in my list. But uh, it was very original. Um, and just the, I thought the execution and just the how it balanced everything um, was why I think it's so good. I think the class warfare angle mm-hmm. had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and, and there, you know, you... It's funny too. It's a funny. There's funny moments, and there's also you know, he. I just loved how he was able to balance everything within the story. And uh, apparently, like the uh, he's I and Mark Ruffalo to star in the HBO uh, continue I think it's a continuation. I can. It's not a remake. I I don't think it's a remake. I think it it's still part of the story. He said. Apparently, like, there was six hours of story he wanted to do, but he had to condense it down into two. Oh, so basically, this it would be the rest of the story. N- n- or I some of the rest so. of the story. Something, something like that. Uh, to be honest, the rest of the academies, when you're kind of, like, in the circle of, like, you know, movies and everything, you kind of can tell. I th- the, uh, the acting nominations, uh, winning the acting... Uh, the winners of all the acting awards uh, went exactly as I predicted. I think it went exactly as everyone predicted. There was no surprises at all for any of the acting. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was director and um, best picture because, honestly, I would have thought that it they would have just given it like the, oh, you got the international award 
all right, now on to the films made in the U.S. is how I thought it was going to go. Yeah, there's if we've learned anything over the past few years, you can never second-guess the Academy because yeah. some of the choices they make. Um, any other things that surprised you? I watched the... It's free on YouTube. The uh, winner for best short... Um, like just fiction like non uh it was uh it was really good it was very it, was, it went in a direction i did not expect it huh it was it was a good 20 minutes um it was cool that we had our own apu student i know that was pretty cool i just yeah. saw him out when i was yeah he parking was this morning ushering mm-hmm. and uh he was on stage when parasite won i thought i think they need to bring back a host I yeah. think the the hostless thing does not work. It doesn't work. You know what's really interesting is they keep they keep they schedule it for three hours and it has it always goes over. But this year, without a host, it went way over. It went it was over it was over three and a half hours. Thirty minutes, yeah. It was you know, it was like Also you have like celebrities introducing celebrities to introduce categories that was just weird. That just, was weird. I mean, the kid from nineteen seventeen is introducing somebody else. Who's introducing something else? No, stop that. Stop that nonsense. They just... should have just had Steve Martin and Chris Rock host or something. And I thought Seriously. the uh I thought the uh it was cool that they like shout out some of the like movies that didn't get nominated in the opening number, but like again, the last two years, like the opening numbers haven't really made too much I thought it was a weak week opening. I thought it was ugh. and what was up with the Eminem thing? That made no sense. They should have waited a year because that would have been twenty year anniversary of uh, Eight Mile. I think so. You know what's interesting is he didn't come twenty years ago. Exactly. But why did they? It was just such a weird non sequitur. And it was just funny seeing like all the people like either were really into the song or you were Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Although I did notice that it seemed to be unif. It was uniting old and young, white and black. I think Everybody they're just was trying to, to be. The Academy's just paying to be hip so that they can get more views but like what they need to do i think is bring back a host and what they need to do again what they used to do is uh show throughout the award show like little summaries of the best picture films leading up to the last award because not a lot of people i feel like the major audience if you're not in like la you don't watch all the movies so they need to be able to do something where it will include like a bigger crowd. What's interesting is the reason they went from five best picture nominees to as many as 10, depending on, you know, the preferential ballots was theoretically, was theoretically to get, you know, after uh, Wally and dark Knight got snubbed for, for best picture, they figured we want to get more popular populist fare in there Let's look at the results. Uh, Joker was a big box office hit. That's about it. <laughs> and then Jojo Rabbit, I think, was the closest. Jojo Rabbit. No, Jojo Rabbit was just. But it was. It had an art. It had a, an art house release pattern. It did. So, but I think the films. It was Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, and Marriage Story. When I was on social media, there was a lot of people who watched Marriage Story. Yeah, those were probably the biggest. And then. Uh, I mean, you got Once Upon a Time, which is Tarantino, so he's yeah. going to draw in a little bit of a crowd. But 
the thing that annoys me, I know, like, it doesn't work this way. You should use all ten nomination spots. They don't. That doesn't. It doesn't work that. It way. doesn't work that yeah, way, but have, it should. Have, yeah, it has to. By Aaron's watch. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because no. there's a couple of films that could have, have been in the ten spot. You have to. You have to receive. You have to reach a certain cutoff as number one on the preferential ballot to be considered as a best picture nominee, and you have to hit that threshold. So if you don't, that's what determines. How it can go from anywhere between six and ten. Yeah, and uh, if you're looking for uh, a good speech, a good award ceremony speech, I recommend looking up the uh, Adam Sandler Independent Spirit Award speech. That mm, thing is I heard. killer. I heard it, it is awesome. hilarious. He 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 killed it. It's like five minutes. It's amazing. I, one of my favorite jokes from the whole evening was was a Chris Rock who told Scorsese, I love the first season of The Irishman. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, they got to do something. Any other award things? Boy, the least suspenseful categories were the acting. Yeah, I mean, every, every single acting award was exactly who had won previously for every... Yep. I mean, complete re- replay of the SAG Awards and everything else. And... Uh... I was I was not surprised by Bombshell winning Best Makeup. Nah. Because those people look crazy like the Fox News That's people. the thing that, I mean... The Megyn Kelly makeup was insane. Was amazing. Was yeah. amazing. Uh, the movie's not fantastic. It's it's solid, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's fantastic. The, um... Oh, oh. Best Animated Feature. Really? I know you're upset with that. Really? I... Haven't seen the other ones. I actually really enjoyed Toy Story 4. Um, I know you didn't, so I wasn't upset with that. But I haven't watched uh, the one on Netflix, the I Left my, Lost My Body. And oh, you Klaus. saw I Lost My Body? I haven't too. seen that yet, but I hear that's great. Okay. I just thought Klaus would take it because that won the animation. The Annie the Award. Award. Yeah, but of course that's the the Insiders. Animation insiders versus, you know. You know. Oscar voters tend to be kind of lazy sometimes. It's like, oh, everybody's voting for this, so. Yeah. Oh, we should give Disney whatever whatever Disney thing. That's, that's how Zootopia. I was very glad that Frozen 2 did not win Best Original Song. Ugh. That my uh, Ugh. girlfriend's niece has a Elsa doll that plays that song over and over again. So I like with like Let It Go, like you can tolerate it. I like it Let over. It Go. Yeah, you, End it, of the Unknown was just like it, it's like Let It Go too. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I thought um, I thought that maybe Randy Newman might win. Maybe the Harriet song would win, but uh, Elton John won, which was really cool. Um, I thought the Harriet song should have won. Yeah. That was a great song. That one John song was... Uh, I saw that movie. I didn't even realize that was a new song. I mean, it was just very... Yeah. It was just very middle of the road. Nothing spectacular. It's no Can You Feel the Love Tonight. That's for sure. And I have to issue an apology because I think last podcast I said 1917 score was very meh. I, I still think that a good chunk of it is, but, man, the rear window is gorgeous. Like, like up there, I think, with some of John Williams' work on, like, other... Is that one of the tracks? It's one of the tracks. It's, I think, when he's Did running... Did we buy the score? 
Uh, did I what? Did you buy the score? No, I I just downloaded the good ones songs <laughs> on because there's definitely like a couple songs that he wrote where it's just like eerie noises, you know. Um, but I'm trying to think of that. Those were pretty much. Uh, we talked about best picture. We talked about best animated feature. We talked about the best. Yeah, I think a lot of everything else was really kind of by the numbers. Everything was spot on. I don't think there was any like. There wasn't a lot of uh, winners or nominees where it was like, this is, the Academy sucks, you know? Like, like they were, they had a good films nominated and good films win in their respective categories. I knew somebody who got upset about Ford versus Ferrari winning sound mixing. I'm like, it's sound mixing. Dude. It's amazing in that, that movie. sound mixing yeah. was a great, especially if you saw it in IMAX. I think they're just like, oh, Ford versus Ferrari is a wide release, you know? kind of formula film formula one film so they just were upset to be upset i i don't think they actually realize how good the sound mixing is in that film uh let's go let's go ahead and move to our second story birds of prey laid an egg to use varieties metaphor at the box office 80 percent aggregate from critics on rotten tomatoes 81 percent audience score so those are great numbers 33 million dollar opening weekend not a great number I mean, they were estimating $45 million, and that was a conservative estimate. It cost 80 some to make, some, although some people put that closer to 100 and they're saying the break-even is going to be like, you know, 250 What happened? Um, you saw it, right? I saw it. I think, I mean, there's so, well, in a last-ditch effort, uh, kind of similar to what Paramount did with Edge of Tomorrow, where live, die, repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow, where they re where re, they rebranded it for home video. Warner Brothers contacted all theaters after the disastrous first weekend and changed the name of the movie to Harley Quinn Cola Colon Birds of Prey. Yeah, like that's gonna help. <laughs> I had a couple issues with this film um one's a little kind of harsh i think the girl who played the like the 13 year old girl who's in it Cassandra was, i do not think she was good she wasn't great she wasn't great she, she was great. she just there is like the reason why i'm harsh on this is you have kids like Haley joel osmond or jonathan taylor thomas who are incredible kid actors you had the kid you had the the young actors from parasite yeah and, and and she you could just tell she was just like it felt like she was reading off of a script or, like, or yeah you know she had the inflection where it just goes up in the middle and down in the middle not not very not not the best acting also um it did not need to be rated r it could have totally functioned it was it was a soft R. It could have totally functioned as a PG-13 film. And I think that's why it didn't do so well. Because um, if you imagine all like the you know girls who are a little too young to go to rated R movies by themselves, dressing up as Harley Quinn for Halloween, you know? So do you, do you think that they actually, uh, by the R rating, helped prevent the target demo from seeing the movie? I think so. That's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I'm just, I it's no secret I'm not a fan of R-rated superhero movies. You know, Joker aside, which that's not a superhero movie, so that's. Did you like <laughs> Logan though? I felt like it worked for Logan. 
uh, I like Logan. I didn't love Logan. Okay. The, the, the Shane ripoff was a little bit obvious. It's like, <laughs> really? 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 And I, I, uh, it definitely does drag. I had to excuse myself uh, during, I guess, the middle of the act, movie. Act two. And I was like, it's only been an hour. <laughs> I was like, I thought we only had 30 minutes left. That, that, the, the pace, there were some pacing issues. Yeah. Um, I just, see, I said, it, it's no secret when we talked about Joker last fall that Warner Brothers would learn all the wrong lessons from Joker. And so lesson number one, wrong lesson number one they learned was, oh, people want R-rated superhero movies. Not necessarily. No. If, it, if it's appropriate. And this was a, this was a tame R. It was like, uh, <laughs> um... Uh, Ryan, Ryan and I scene. talked about it br- briefly, and it's like it's like Deadpool three or Lady Deadpool, which is actually a thing, by the way. But they went a little bit for the uh, it. DC Comics has used Harley as their Deadpool like character to break the fourth wall, yeah, and directly address the reader. So using that approach, it c- could have worked. It sort of kind of worked. It did sort of kind of, but also. The only there was only like one scene where they're like hanging upside down and stuff where it was like, oh that's pretty R rated. Everything else was like, oh let's throw in an F word here or it, throw in, and it no no spoilers. It wasn't really even a Birds of Prey movie. It's not. It's it's this, a Harley Quinn movie. It's a Harley Quinn. They this is what they should have done. The way it lays out, you name the first one Harley Quinn. If they you get successful enough to do a sequel, then you call it Birds of Prey. Well, they should have, they, or they could have called it Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, or Harley Quinn starring in. I think they were trying to be too cutesy for their own good. Yeah, they were trying to do some sort of style. On on the positive side, as a comic book geek, um, all the characters, with the exception of the aforementioned Cassandra Kane. All the characters were pretty much in character from the comics, including the two villains. I mean, including Black Mask and uh, Victor's Zaz. Yeah, and uh, you you get the back of Jared Leto's head, so <laughs> in a flashback scene from Suicide Squad for like three seconds, so. and you get that great shot of uh, Jay Courtney on the wall. Oh like, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, um, couple knots to suicide squad i liked the, i like what they did with the huntress character and mary elizabeth i Winston did was good i felt like she was underutilized though i think they could have uh, this is one of those cases where you, you wish that let's do one more one more pass at the script let's strengthen it i'm so tired of these soundtracks too where you just take an older song and make it poppy make and it moody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the there's like the main scene where they're like kind of coming together, and you get I it's hit me with your best shot, but it's like super slow and like kind of like this seductive pop, and it's like it's just like score the movie. Like I get that you're still trying to do like that Suicide Squad style, but it didn't really work with the first movie. Just make make a, it honestly feels like like commercial like promos like i'm watching like this very long promo for some (laughs) coming attractions for a movie like i'm watching like a commercial for cereal but it's rated r and there's (laughs) a little bit of blood mixed in (laughs) from general mills so so it's 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 in the middle tier category i 
would probably rate it around a low 70, high 60, not an 80 because of the pacing issues. And the buildup doesn't really, it just, oh, that happened, you know? It. I like films that really build up to those third acts, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like, let's just go on this like flat path and we'll end up at the end. I think part of the problem too is when you've got an untested property like Birds of Prey. I mean, there was a short-lived television series. Like yeah. when I say short, when I say short <laughs> early two thousands, yeah, thirteen episodes. <laughs> um, and what uh, they were originally talking about doing for the Harley for the Suicide Squ Squad follow-up was a Gotham City Sirens, and even that is kind of a better title. Because it tells you what to expect. Gotham City. It tells you Gotham City Sirens. And you got more notable characters, too. Yeah, if you say Gotham City Sirens starring Harley Quinn, or the Gotham City Sirens in the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Or Harley Quinn, Gotham City Sirens. Yeah. You know? Because you know that, you know, everybody knows about Catwoman, who's going to be in the Batman. Everybody knows about Poison Ivy. Yep. So, I, you know, as much as I, as a fanboy, love Birds of Prey, I'm not sure that that was the right choice to make. I, here, here's the problem. Warner Brothers does not have a Kevin Feige who is in charge of the DC Universe properties. And therefore, they just try to keep reinventing the wheel every single time, and then you just get this hot, you and know. They're, they're, this is more of a Shazam, if anybody's curious. It's more like Shazam where it exists in the DC Extended Universe, but it's not, like, exactly connected. Well, it's connected because you... You know, you get what you need to know. You know, the premise, inciting incident, Harley and Joker break up. And so, whereas she was protected because she was Joker's girlfriend, now everybody that she's wrong is coming after her. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't know. I, I think that until Warner's gets, hire somebody with a clear vision of what to do with these properties, it's going to be hit or miss every single time. I mean, Wonder Woman should be fine because it's the same creative team as Wonder Woman, the first movie, Wonder Woman 84, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it had some good things going for it. I think the message of empowerment was very well done. Um, I think DC has handled, and I talked about this with Ryan, I think DC handles it better than Marvel when it comes to topics of like female empowerment. I think they handle, they uh, can like show the message better. And it doesn't feel like you're being pandered to. Oh, where the, like not the scene in Avengers Four where people are where all women telepath like telepathically A Force. Yeah, they read my. They, okay, everybody, like let's get at this point for one shot right here, you know. And uh, I like that they, they heard Beyonce's telepathic call. Yeah, come on, girls. And, and I think it handled Captain Marvel better. Uh, then I think it handled it better than Captain Marvel because you still have flawed characters and, you know, they still have, you know, ranging emotions, but they're still strong female characters. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought they handled that a lot better, too. And some of the, some of that's the source material. I mean, mm -hmm. Helena Bertinelli, the Huntress, is, uh, boy, I, 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 I'm not going to go all deep cut on. Basically, the very first incarnation of that character can't exist the way that the DC universe works now because the, the original Huntress was the daughter of the Golden Age Batwoman, the Golden Age Batman and Catwoman. And when the original Crisis on Infinite Earths in the 80s, not the inferior 
CW remake <laughs> or remix, but they had to come up with a new origin for the Huntress. And Paul, uh, I think it was Paul Levitz, came up with this brilliant idea. Okay, she can't be Batman's daughter. Let's make her a mafia princess whose family is murdered and she swears revenge. It's like, ooh. And that, the reinvention of that character, brilliant. Yeah. And what they did with her in this movie, I mean, it's basically her origin from her post-crisis origin. And she's uh, a great character. Yeah, she's probably one of my favorites. I think it's interesting that we've seen all these other characters and we've still not seen, uh, we haven't seen Robin since uh, those terrible, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, B- Batman Forever and Batman Robin. Why can't I think of the uh, oh, the director? Uh, Joel Schumacher. We, we haven't seen a Robin on the big screen since Joel Schumacher. We haven't seen Bat Nipple since Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yes, we have also not seen Bat yeah. Nipple since Joel Schumacher. I think, and uh, we've not seen Nightwing yet on the big screen, although we have seen him on the small screen on Titans now. Yeah, I think... Um... No, she was great. I think the weakest characters was Cassandra Kane and Definitely. Rosie Perez's character wasn't my Montoya. favorite. Yeah, she wasn't as strong as the other three, I think. Yeah, they Montoya was mostly intact from the comics. There's some things they left out. Yeah, and and uh I really liked uh McGregor as the villain. As Black Mask, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wish there was a couple more things they could have done with him. Just a yeah. few more things couple underutilized characters but it was still a really enjoyable time uh i think it really helped that they used the choreographer from john wick 3 oh the fight choreographer yeah from john wick so uh yeah no it it was it was a fun time i'm just hoping that the well because of the because of the year that we're in in another year this movie's failure could have been used as well this is you know Obviously, women can't top line a superhero film, and women shouldn't be writing and directing superhero films. But we've got a bunch of superhero films this year to be directed by women. Of course, next up is Wonder Woman eighty four, and that will probably I think it's going to kill huge. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the picture of Cheetah they released? No. <laughs> With uh, Kristen Wiig and full Cheetah. Oh, and looks great. Big teaser that we forgot to mention. Um, is the Stranger Things teaser? Oh yeah, that came out on Valentine's Day. It was on the the L.A. News. That's how. Wow. They showed it on so uh, certain characters back. If you want to watch the teaser, could it be character who's uh, in playing Russian in yeah. Black Widow? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the teaser confirmed that uh, Stranger Things is now MCU canon. <laughs> uh, that's pretty wild. Well, thanks for joining us, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about our uh, our picks for the 20 teens in film and television. Take care. Bye.